0: Monday, happy days Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days Thursday, Day. Friday, happy days The weekend comes, my cycle hops ready to make sure you These days are on Happy days These days are
1: on Hey everyone, it's Dan, welcome to Rockin' All Week With You, a Happy Days podcast, season 7, episode 8 In this one we are finishing 1979 and going into 1980 now we're still, I think in the show we're still 1961, I've seen no sign of any sort of holiday things or anything or, or winter returning since the 1960 Christmas episode last season so I'm saying we're still in uh, 1961 and we're doing Here Comes the Bride Again and Ah Wilderness Here Comes the Bride Again, both directed by Jerry Paris as always, Here Comes the Bride Again written by Bob Howard I'm not sure who that is, Ron Ron's a, no, that's not Ron's brother. Ron's brother is Clint. I don't know who Bob Howard is. Cousin, and Ah Wilderness written by Barry Rubinowitz. The Here Comes Episode. Here Comes the Bride again. December eighteenth, nineteen seventy nine. Ah Wilderness. January eighth, nineteen eighty. I imagine on December twenty fifth, uh, which is which is one of the days of the break. Here they probably replayed the classic. Um, uh Fonzie's Coming to Christmas episode that's not what it's called You do know the one guess who's coming to guess who's Fonzie to Christmas guess who's he did Christmas with you know the one from season two and it's great And I think it probably at this point they're they're doing that thing where they're having um uh jony uh Joni, Chachi Cha loves Chachi where Chachi talks to the Fonz about Christmas and he tells the story about going to visit the uh the Cunninghams so we're going to start off with uh, Here Comes the Bride Again. And this episode, um, uh, Mr. and Mrs. C go to a, um, a uh, wedding renewal, a second wedding uh, kind of thing. Mr. C thinks it's silly. Mrs. C doesn't. We learn that Mr. and Mrs. C had a really bad original wedding. And so um, everyone arranges. Well, well, Richie, Joni, and the Fonz arrange for a second wedding for them. And they hire two gentlemen who maybe, you know, aren't the best. But I've got to be honest. I love them. I'm going to talk more about them in a minute. Let me play you this. I'll be on the other side. I got to be honest. I think this is probably the best episode of the season so far because it's the funniest. It has some stuff in it that I don't like. Uh, the main thing it has in it that I don't like is Richie. Uh, Richie really overdoes it. Uh, during the initial scene with Gil and Bernie, the wedding planners, he really uh, hams it up. Big time, uh, which is strange because I'll talk about the actors playing uh, Gil and Bernie uh, shortly. But Gil and Bernie um, were two guys were a comedy team who were known for underplaying everything. And to see Ron Howard like going oh oh oh, pretending to chew a pillow and stuff like that is 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 a little weird. I guess it may have been fun to watch if you're watching this purely from a Happy Days perspective I suppose it may have been fun to watch actually I don't know by this point in the show I'm so over Richie and then he's overdoing it sort of in the um the second half of the episode it's funny because his overdoing it he's basically trying to stop what's funny about the um wedding portion of the episode which yep that's a wet blanket that sounds like Richie where's Laurie Beth I didn't see Laurie Beth throughout this but apart from Richie um who I guess it could be I mean i don't know what ron howard's thoughts were about about the episode but uh, his dad appears in it his dad's their next door neighbor rance howard he he appears pops his head over the uh the window uh but pops his head over the fence and yells at them a bunch you could tell it's him i mean they look exactly the same and you could see from rance's hair um his hairline you can see what ron howard's hairline will be like in a few years um but overall the episode is is excellent um the, the for, let me, I'll break it up into two two chunks here. There's the first third where uh, Mr C doesn't isn't interested in in the second wedding, but he's convinced of it. There's some very funny stuff in there. There's a very funny scene uh, where Mr C goes into Fonz's, um office for the first time, and uh, they have a good chat. Then um, Mr C is trying to propose to Mrs C, and um, uh, and and the Fonz yells, Everyone into the restrooms, and everyone in the restaurant gets up and goes in the assorted men. Boys and girls rooms Although it is slightly tricky Because then you can sort of see the, um, the weird layout of the restroom When Ralph goes into the men's room You can see in the crack in the door On the left Um, where technically the bathroom should go, but it doesn't. It goes, when you go in, it goes the other direction. Um, You could see kind of like everyone, including Henry Winkler, kind of standing there. And I mean, I guess they're all, you know, it's about 10 guys packed in a rather tiny bathroom, so they're all kind of by the door anyway. So I I mostly bought it, but it was just like the, you know, as I said before, the weird topography, uh, the uh, weird architectural style of the the restrooms. I mean, it could be, I mean, maybe it's done on some sort of weird angle, where like the the ladies room is maybe like right up right in the in the restaurant like the men's room extends out and around like it spoons the ladies room do you know kind of i don't know maybe i don't know you know what it ain't in about three or four episodes it ain't gonna matter all this bathroom talk is gonna stop the fourth wall talk will continue but i think the bathroom stuff will i think the bathroom stuff don't don't quote me on that um but, but that, and all that sequence is, is great and it's interesting um, I, I will say Ralph is probably at his funniest here when he comes in and finds everyone gone except Mr. and Mrs. C and thinks it's a joke and everyone's going to wrap him in toilet paper um, are they all going to leap out of here and wrap me in toilet paper? I can get out of it I have before um, that's very funny, and then when mister Mr uh C proposes again to Marion and, and they're gonna get their second second uh, wedding, that's great. Uh we get we get of course um a scene where Mrs. C tells Richie finally about their wedding. It was basically I guess it was um they've been married twenty five years, so this is sixty one. They got married in nineteen thirty six. Which means if Richie at this point is I don't know, I mean Richie is in his second year of college, so he's Richie's about twenty. So what Richie was born in 50 uh, 41 and Joni was born in I don't know what she's meant to be 16 so she was born around um yeah uh 50 45 so so Mr. C I mean I've said this before like so if Mr. C the reason the reason why they got married they got married really shoddy in a bus depot because he got called up immediately to the army and ended up having to get shipped to New Jersey now, obviously 1930 uh 6 he's not getting sent Um, overseas well you know our boys didn't get sent overseas until end of 1941 42 so he's he's a good five years early on that and um and presumably i guess um during that time during 1941 he was home giving birth to um to richie and of course let's not even talk the other one i can't remember the other one's name now you know that other kid they don't have He's, like, two years older, right? I mean, when, when, when the show started, he was already, like, a sophomore in college, putting him, like... I mean, he'd be... He would have been born in, like, 1939 or 1930... I mean, that would have kind of made sense, right? If Mrs. C went in the Army in 1936 and he was in for, two like, two years or something and he came out in 1938 and got Mrs. C a little bit of hoo-hoo and then she gave birth to... to, to um the the unknown child circa circa thirty nine or so that that would have made sense but it's interesting because I could have sworn and the thing is I can't find my season one set folks I don't I don't go back and rewatch the episodes after I talk about them on here except apart from the second season Christmas episode. And and the and and the sixth season, then the eighth season, and the tenth. Season, the Christmas episodes I, I go back to, and the Halloween episodes I go back to, and the Thanksgiving one I do. Re- the holiday ones I rewatch, but the other ones I don't go back to, which means I haven't watched anything in season one since we talked about it. Start talking about it here three, four years ago, pre-pandemic. Um, and there's an episode of that where Mr. C meets up with an old uh, army buddy, and I want I wanted to go back to that and just sort of review what it is they say about their time in the army. I remember Mr. C was a cook at least that's what they say at one point He was terrible apparently um but they yeah they say that but i don't um i'm hard pressed to um uh uh remember exactly if they i thought he was in world war 2 but that but of course that doesn't make sense at all that he was in world war 2 because if the show began in like 1957 and you know he has a son who i mean richie's like 16 that's 1941 i mean unless unless he went in the army and then did another like unless he went in the army, they gave birth to, he got Mrs. C pregnant. She gave birth to the unknown child. She he took another tour of duty, came back, impregnated Mrs. C again with Richie, and then did another tour of duty during the. I can't imagine Mr. C doing that. Could you see Mr. C, our hardware store loving Mr. C, um, doing that just like uh, doing multiple tours of duty? I I don't think that came up at all. My my um. My impression from the first season was that he w- was drafted probably in 41 42 something like that did a couple of years and then came back of course that doesn't make sense with the ages of the the, the children really but um uh especially with Joni I mean he could have he could have they could have had um Richie before he went but Joni that uh, Joni doesn't make well, I guess he could have come back right I don't know I don't know um but 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 now we know yeah that they were they were married in 1936 and that he was drafted and sent away to New Jersey, and presumably not sent to fight in any war because there wasn't a war going on in Europe uh, for us to fight in at that time. I say the U.S. to fight in. I know, I know. In '36, there was stuff going on, but uh, we we weren't involved. So, um, no war. Forget it. Well, this isn't a history lesson. Just just suffice to say, you know, World War. We joined it in '41, so if he if he's in the army from like '36 to '38 or something, he's out in the war. I don't know exactly what it is he's doing, but it's it's a fun opening. I, I don't fully like I said I, I don't I don't I don't fully get the story that Mrs C tells Richie. It just seems a little, it does seem a little weird to me. Um, uh, not, not that she wouldn't have shared it before, but just like it sort of comes out of nowhere like that they have a their their wedding was like this it's like it's like sunny their homer and marge you know it's, it just it just seems a little weird to me uh maybe that's why um, mrs c's family never seemed to like mr c but it's in the 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 second portion of the episode that the episode becomes really great and uh Ron Ron Howard does a lot of mugging I think if the person the people who work best with the Gil Gill and Gil and Bernie are um seem to be Henry Winkler and Scott Baio they seem very comfortable around them sort of get seem to get the comedy that's going on um and that's uh this is uh, we welcome in as Gil and Bernie uh Bob and Ray, the great comedy team. Bob, Ellie, and Ray Gullion. I'm going to try not to talk for a half hour to 45 minutes about my favorite comedy team, along with Laurel and Hardy. Laurel and Hardy were obviously mostly visual they didn't have you know um verbal gags that were very funny um but but um and and occasionally you know when when bob and ray just to look at them sometimes it's just funny and just watching them looking at the clowns and um cooking hot dogs over a grill in a bathtub and stuff like that uh, it's funny they 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 could do the physical comedy too Uh, but they were mainly radio guys they um uh, well i'll talk about what i like about the them in the episode they're very funny they're very funny they're they're doing their they're doing their McBeebe twin shtick at one point where uh ray is speaking and then bob immediately starts speaking after him they're doing the komodo dragon stuff where um that there was a famous sketch of theirs where where one of the things they notice is a lot of times that um if you sort of paid attention to interviewers interviewing people who like weren't uh, like human interest people or people who weren't uh like big celebrities or something you notice a lot of times that the interviewers could be very lazy and and you you will get questions like you know so um so uh uh tell me your name and uh why you're here my name is uh bob Stebbins, and i'm uh, you know i own four thousand teddy bears uh well they tell me here that you own some teddy bears how many do you own 4000. I own 4000 teddy bears. I keep them in a warehouse in Patterson, New Jersey. 4000. You can't keep those at home, can you? You probably have a special storage space for them. Yes, I have a warehouse in um uh Patterson, New Jersey. Now, you live in New York. Do you keep them in New York? Or um no, no. I keep them in New, uh, New Jersey. Oh, really? Where? Patterson. Wow. Wow, that's a that's a that's a lot of uh, te- you know it the, 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 it goes on like that and they have moments like that in there and they have the McBee twins and they have just the chatter between the two of them. You can see when the two of them are talking to one another and their brief moments of Scott Baio, their brief moments of Henry Winkler, they got it. When they're talking with Richie and even Aaron Moran, who doesn't do much interaction with them, the 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 balance is slightly off. Like Bob Bob when Bob and Ray do stuff, Bob and Ray are almost always sort of low key that's the point they're meant to be a lot of their stuff is meant to mimic sort of radio you know interviews and and radio shows And I mean they would do fake melodramas and things like that but you could see like you could see that they've worked for a long time together the crowd applauds them when they come in and they're just they're just great together. They're fun to watch together and during the wedding scene when the clown is going around and I mean it's just it's just funny and I mean like I said Scott Bale's response to F- Richie firing the clown is very funny and the Fonz's response to getting the bill is very funny and there's just a lot of great stuff in there and I love how Richie is going it's 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 weirdly structured episode because the first third or so is about Mr. C and Mrs. C in their wedding and then the second, the rest of the episode is about Richie getting annoyed at all the crazy stuff that's going on the wedding and being told it doesn't matter. It's that we're all here and it's happening. And you like, I guess, I mean, I almost feel like it was like, we got Bob and Ray to come in and be on an episode. Uh, that's awesome. Because the thing is, I mean, Bob and Ray were still, you know, they, they started in the 40s, but they were still going pretty damn strong circa 1979, 1980, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. But um, so so they weren't, um, for for some people, they made been a nostalgia act, and they were definitely all over radio in the 1950s. Um, but the fact is, they were still going, going strong circa this time period, so they were still out there, and I'll, again, I'll talk about that in a minute but uh yeah they, they they they're just they're here and they're very funny and the stuff is great and the wedding scene is great i would have loved it if the wedding scene was longer i would have actually loved it if the wedding scene had possibly been shot maybe on um like single camera and edited together a little stronger because they're are a couple of um a couple of moments that I think would have been sharper with better editing but overall it's very funny and and Ralph and Potzer in their little outfits and the, and the annoying neighbor and the the firemen rushing in and it's all it's all nicely done chaos it's sort of that in studio multiple camera kind of chaos that rarely works out completely right it it does on episodes of I Love Lucy and I've had a few other shows but it, it works out almost completely right here so I think and I think it's funny I think it's great the the uh, Richie going nuts I don't like and um uh, but but I can deal with it because the rest of the episode is so good. So overall, this is, a this I think, fun, comedy-wise, this is one of the best of the season. And it's got some sweet moments from Mr. and Mrs. C. And everyone is together in the end and happy. And um, Bob and Ray were in the episode. So I'm going to talk about, I'm going to play you a little something real quick right here from Bob and Ray and then I'm going to talk about Bob and Ray for 5-10 minutes, because like I said if, if Laurel and Hardy were in this, I'd be talking about Laurel and Hardy for half an hour, 45 minutes I'm not going to talk about Bob and Ray for that long, but I do want to talk about them in case you've never heard of them, and there is a good chance that you that you haven't, I mean, because they haven't um, They they their partnership ended in 1990 when Ray died of, I think like um, um, a uh, um, uh, kidney, uh, kidney kidney disease, I think it was a hereditary kidney um, disease um, but uh, uh, Bob continued on for a while And you may, you may be familiar with his, his children and grandchildren But I'll talk about them in a moment Let me just play you this
0: Now up to Herkimer, New York And the launching pad Belonging to the good Professor Gorgons. Wally Baloo there to cover it Come in please, Wally Baloo in Herkimer, New York Come in New York, Wally Baloo speaking And we're standing next to Professor Gorgon's Experimental Space Satellite satellite in which he hopes to circle the world. Mr. Grogan. you've uh, changed your plans from the original space ship that you were going to shoot for the moon in. Well, as you know, the changes uh, and modifications are coming so rapidly now, uh, Mr. Below, that it's very difficult for a space scientist or an aerodynamics engineer, as I call myself, to keep up with the times. There is a... saying that if it's in production, it's obsolete, and I think that that bears a good deal of truth Truth to it as you look at my uh, modified uh, satellite machine. I have made several changes. First of all, I've discovered I have to use a plenty powerful engine for the original thrust. Much more of the logboard. Oh, way, way beyond. I have to use uh, almost, uh, I think, a solid uh, fuel now that is quite expensive. I uh, will achieve, I think, uh, orbital speed after approximately uh, three hours out into space, Mister uh, and that means that I can travel around the Earth at approximately 16 feet. And you'll be inside the uh, the sphere as we see it here now. I wonder if we could take a look inside and describe it for a radio listener. I wish you would, please, Mister Bulow. This is the Door. I'm going through now. He's wiping his feet before stepping inside. I suppose that. Well, that's training since childhood. For cleanliness. Here now we're standing inside this spherical ball, approximately eight feet in diameter. Would you say? It's it exactly eight and a half feet this way, and about four feet that I way. I notice a little bulge there on that one side. Yeah, Something... Where I put my head. So I can look out and see what's going on around me. Will this uh, satellite be spinning as it uh, traverses the Earth? It will rotate on its own axis, if that's what you mean. Uh, well, will... I mean, will you be going round and round inside, or will that's you be patient? Right. That's something that I'm afraid of, but uh, I don't know how it will turn out, that feeling of uh, You bothered by vertigo? I'm sorry? Are you bothered by vertigo? No, oh, I've darling? never had those troubles. I've never had those troubles. I wear these rubber stockings most of I'm... the time. Well, let's move on to uh, something else, uh, Professor. Have you got any date for the actual launching and do the newspaper people still think you nuts? Well, they think that I'm a little wacky. Uh, my countdown has reached 30. But that happened about a week ago, and I had to hurry through several more modifications. So we'll pick it up at 29, I think, uh, sometime today. Lots of luck to you, and we'll hang around to see that what happens. happens. But I think I'll make it 29 now, and then stop it again. It's 29 now, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll be counting down a little later from Arkhamer. Radio's had some Wally Balloon, returning it to our main studios.
1: So it won't go too long, but um, yeah, Bob and Ray, Bob Elliott, Ray Goulding. Uh, became a comedy team in Boston, 1946, working for WHDH, a radio station. I think Bob was spinning records and Ray was reading the news. And uh, whenever Ray would join Bob, they'd kind of go back and forth and ad-lib stuff. And and, and, um, uh, the the management liked uh, seeing the two of them together. So they... I think it was... What happened was the WHDH got the rights to the Boston Red Sox games. And this was in 1946, they played the games during the day, and they usually played them at a very sort of set time, like sort of Monday through Friday, because they couldn't play at night because they didn't have the ability to light up the field properly yet. So games were played at like, I don't know, like 1.30 to 3, 1.30 something like that, like Monday through Friday or whenever they played them and so uh and because of the way that the scheduling worked they had a half an hour break before where they would have done like a pre-game show or something like that now a half an hour break say like 1 to 1 30, 12 to 12 30 whatever the heck it was uh and so what happened was uh bob and ray would um bob and ray were given a show called matinee with bob and ray and just basically for half an hour they would be in the studio there'd be a piano player there'd be an organist and they just talk and they Joke around, and um, uh, the guys would play something on the piano, play something on the organ. Bob and Ray would sing, they'd goof, they'd, they'd make up little skitch, skits, parodies of, of radio shows of the time, and things like that. And at first, it was just the time filler, um, but after a while, it became very, very popular. And they did this till around 1950, 1951, uh, when uh, TV was really beginning to kick in, and they went to NBC to try to get on TV, and they they wound up, they got their own TV show for a while. Uh, You can still see episodes, it was like a live 15 minute thing, very primitive, but very, very funny also. And, um, and the thing with Bob and Ray was it was always Them doing all the voices so Ray Would do all the female voices Bob Would do like the little kid voices old Guy voices that kind of thing and they do Just all the voices all the different characters and they had a Sort of huge cast of characters That they created over time uh, Webley Webster uh, Mary Magoon uh, Wally Ballou who's possibly their best known one He was, he was a reporter who um, Was not very good and would always Be sent out in the field and one of his things would he was always he would always get upcut they would always tell him to um uh you're on the air like one second before he went on the air so it was always like Lee blue here at times square and you'd rarely hear him say wally his full name because he was always getting incorrect information and um uh they they used to um they they used to do a lot of parodies of radio and they they would goof around a lot with um uh, radio. They would do things like, you know, there was one episode where they were mad at each other, and when one of them wanted to yell at the other, they would turn off the mics. So one of them would be like, "Bob, Bob I need to talk to you right now." Well, I just want to, okay. So that's a good. Well, you're going to talk to me right now because I want to, you know. And they they do stuff like that, and they'd um, they'd uh, they they goof around with it, and it's it's it's. I mean, I could go into great detail the other sort of things they did, but they used to have great fun with it, and they did that for for years they went all over radio of course uh, circa was it September was it 15th or whatever 1962 old time radio as we know in America ended So, so they began like an advertising agency and they did a lot of voices for ads for cartoons voiceovers radio ads things like that they they would appear they did some cartoon voices and they just kind of appeared everywhere and they were they, they basically kept going and you know into the into the 80s and in, I mean this is obviously 1979 uh they had a uh, PBS radio show in the 80s from like 84 to 87 or so and they had several books out they had two books out of collections of sketches in the 80s and then yeah the, the last sort of thing they did at the end of the 80s they did the um they would always appear on David Letterman and Johnny Carson too. But they did a, they did their third book, technically their fourth, but their third book of sketches, and they did a wonderful audio book of it, which I think one of the last sort of recordings they did, uh, circa 86, 87, 88, something like that. And then um, and then unfortunately Ray got very sick, and he died nineteen ninety. But uh, basically from like nineteen forty six for a little over forty years, Bob and Ray were out there doing stuff, and there was a ton. of, of audio material of them there there's plenty of like like in this there's plenty of you know them on screen pictures and such um but there's tons of audio if you want to see them there in this you can go on youtube and see some of their 1950s live show um there is a um there is a great episode of saturday night live from earlier in in, uh, 1979 i think it's the fourth season saturday Night live is march i believe march of, of um Give me a second. I I might have it for you here. No, I don't. It's March 4th, 1979, I believe. And it is basically um, Bob and Ray. It's called Bob and Ray, Jane, Lorraine, and Gilda. The guys in the cast go away. and It's like Bob and Ray lead Jane, Lorraine, and Gilda. And they do basically an episode of uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh, with Willie Nelson as the host. And like most episodes of Saturday Night Live, it's very uneven. The, uh, it's very Bob and Ray, but it's also very uneven. The first half hour is very funny. The second half hour is, is darn good. And the third half hour kind of floats away like everyone's a little tired. But it's still fun to watch. You can get it. You can see it. I, I think people put it up on YouTube. It came out of VHS a long time ago. I have a VHS. I made a, a copy of it. There's a wonderful short film from the early 60s of Bob and Ray in their offices in the Bar building. Um, their advertising offices and also where they would record a lot of their radio shows and stuff. And they just, did, they just did tons of stuff. And um, in 1980, apparently, right after they did this, they did an hour-long pilot with the cast of SCTV called From Cleveland, like a sketch show thing. Never seen it. Never even seen a moment from it or heard much about it at all. But like 1980, SCTV, both Bob and Ray, oh my gosh. And they did, in uh, 1970, they had a Broadway show called Bob and Ray, The Two and Only. And you can get, I don't know if there's a CD, but there's a cassette, and I bet there's a CD for it. You can hear it online. They, the sort of Broadway uh reco- soundtrack recording for it is very funny. They did a, Carnegie, a couple of nights in Carnegie Hall in like 82, 84, something like that. Uh, and they just appeared all over the place. They used to appear... They 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 used to do a thing on the is it the Today Show with well, the morning the morning show on the the network where like they perform like in a window so like people walking down the streets of New York City can look in the window and see them. They used to do a thing where they they've done that since that show started in the early fifties, and they would do a thing whenever they were short on material. They would have Bob and Ray standing by, and Bob and Ray would do impromptu interviews out on the street, just you know ad libbed goofy interviews of things. Um, and they used to they were part of a show called The Monitor which came in, in the late 50s which was meant to sort of restore radio um, and it was it was I think it was on NBC and it, was, it basically ran all weekend and Bob and Ray were like on call all weekend whenever, whenever, if ever something went wrong with regular programming they'd be calling to do a couple a couple skits and things like that and they're really funny they're really they're generally pretty deadpan they're pretty I mean they're the sort of thing where like you could, you could legitimately listen to a 15 minute bit of one of their, their um, shows. with them. And Most of their stuff didn't have audiences there. It was just the, the two of them talking, which is one of the reasons why Ron Howard is, is kind of weird in the episode because normally when Bob and Ray do their thing, there isn't a third person there. And it's just Bob and Ray doing their weird thing. And, and if, if anything, if like Bob and Ray are doing two characters that are really weird, they'll be interacting with Bob and Ray and you won't see them. So Ron Howard doing all the faces and everything. I think that's him just trying to fill in for, um, for uh, something that isn't normally there, but needs to be there in order to cover up. Like when there's laughter and stuff, you can't just have Bob and Ray just sitting there smiling at the. You know, you got to cut to something else. So, so Ro- some of Ron Howard's, I think, overdoing it here. I think could be forgiven. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna stop talking now because it's been almost ten minutes. But yeah, Bob and Ray are great, and I hesitate to say with them. Um, where to start listening i I started back in the mid eighties I heard an episode of their uh p b s radio show and um I actually heard it because uh, uh I discovered yeah the local p b s station like ten o'clock at nights like monday through Thursday or Friday, they would play cool radio stuff. I think it was Thursday night. I discovered Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and so I started paying attention to the the next nights. And I remember one night it was like you know like ten p.m. or maybe it was nine. I think it was nine p.m. Actually, nine p.m. or ten p.m. The Bob and Ray show, and I had no idea who Bob and Ray were, but there were a lot of um, uh, radio shows at that time with like two DJs. And I figured, well, no, that's probably just another DJ type show. But let me give it a try, and I listened to it, and it was a sketch comedy show and it was very funny and i became a big fan of bob and ray but but you couldn't get much bob and ray material in 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 the 80s and then and then um you know, the 90s hit into the 2000s, and I, I had some tapes here and there that I would occasionally listen to, but what happened was in, what, 2006, 2007, I discovered OTR Cat online, and they had three CDRs for, like, 15 20 bucks that were filled with hours and hours and hours of Bob and Ray from, like, 1948 to about 1984 85, and it was just incredible. And so I have, I have a huge collection on CDRs, on MP3s, um, cassettes... Um, I don't have any vinyl. They did. They did actually put out in 1960. They put out an album called Bob and Ray on a Platter, which is an actual like proper comedy sketch, early stereo comedy album, which is great. I have that on CD. And they did another one called Bob and Ray Throw a Stereo Spectacular, where they do a bunch of sketches intermixed with I think RCA Victor um, uh, artists of the time doing big stuff in stereo, and that's fun because Bob and Ray go to a haunted house and there's all kinds of you know, bats and creakiness and screaming and them being you know wacky throughout. Where's um, as wacky as they got. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know if I recommend the PBS shows. I think you can hear them pretty easily. Your best place to go is archive.org. They have tons of stuff on there. But I, the, the show I would recommend, the show that I listen to the most, is from 1959 to 1997. This is going to take a couple minutes. I'm sorry, everyone. Here, let me do this. The next episode is Our Wilderness, Richie and the Gang Go Camping. And uh, I'm going to put what I was going to say about Bob and Ray after the end of the episode, so you can skip it if need be. With the great uh, Early, early appearance of Julie Brown Not downtown Julie Brown, the other Julie Brown The one who who is The singer and uh, very funny, Julie Brown. She was in a. She she. It was funny. One of the two um, issues of National Lampoon that I I did some editing on and some writing on was one where she was on the cover for National Lampoon's Attack of the Five Foot Two Women. You know Julie Brown if you saw her. She's fantastic. And actually, this is this. So this is 1980. This is the start of 1980. In 1980, at some point in 1980, they made Bloody Birthday, the super fun killer. Kids slasher, and she is in there, and she's 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 adorable in there, and yes, yes, she takes her top off. Something to look to. Uh, Arrow Video has put out a lovely Blu-ray. I do not have the Arrow Video Blu-ray. I have the Severin Blu-ray. Did Severin put out a Blu-ray of that? I haven't. I haven't got the. It's fun. It's funny with the the updating of everything. You know, now that you know in the past what five years six years seven years we've had such a renaissance of all sorts of great stuff coming out in dvd and now mostly on blu-ray um and um bloody birthday was one of those that came out on what severin came on a really nice blu-ray although so, i think a lot of people complained about the quality of it, but i had no problem but the Narrow video a few years later um re-released it and and the thing about bloody Birthday is bloody birthday is a film I should have it twice on there because I won a, a contest at a Severin screening of uh at the at the Egyptian theater and they gave me a bag of goodies and a bloody birthday blu-ray was in there so I should have two bloody birthday blu-rays think about bloody birthday is like a lot of the uh very first wave of slashers uh movies like you know Night School He Knows You're Alone Graduation Day I've seen them so many so many times and I usually watch them about once every year, year and a half. And last time I watched Bloody Birthday, it was actually probably about two years ago. Um, but but I, I, so so I'm basically fine with that Blu-ray, but it's weird because the Arrow Blu-ray, they they do a, they, um, the cover of it is, is a commissioned piece of art and it's, you know, a cake with a knife or that finger's coming out of whatever, but it's like a gorgeous looking, almost like a red velvet cake. So every time I see that cover, I think I'm going to buy that. And then I think, Dan, do you really need to spend another twenty, twenty-five bucks on Bloody Birthday when you're absolutely fine with the copy you have? And the answer at the moment is yes. Some movies, like Stunt Rock, I will update over and over again. Some movies, like Mad Monster Party, for example, recently it's Halloween time. The um, if you love Mad Monster Party, the Umbrella Blu-ray looks gorgeous it hasn't improved the pacing of the movie any or some of the songs but over it just it's incredible the commentary is excellent on it um sorry i went off on a tangent there because this is one of those episodes it's richie is annoying throughout um, but he does sort of save the day in the end but but it is it is really weird because like richie takes him camping no one wants to go camping Richie everyone thinks Richie's gonna mess up the Fonz goes along saying he's afraid Richie's gonna mess up well he's actually he doesn't like that he wasn't invited but he tells Richie he's not gonna take over he's gonna, gonna let Richie lead and then everything goes wrong not all of it is Richie's fault Patsy uh, stupid Potsy, and his stupid girlfriend forget a lot of important things that they're supposed to bring and it rains really hard So not everything is Richie's fault. But Richie kind of handles it in his own way where he's got a whistle and he keeps blowing on the whistle and and yelling at everyone and being unpleasant. But then he kind of saves the day, brings them food in the end and he's got a way they can get out of there even though Fonzie throws a rock at him. And it's kind of you can really see, I mean, this is the beginning of the 80s, if the if the 80s begin with January 1st, 1980, um, the beginning of the 80s, this is about as beginning of the 80s as you can imagine, because it's a very silly, almost slapsticky at times episode that takes place more or less on one sort of, um, it basically takes place in the main living room set, and then the main, um, uh, this this one small like camp area set that they set the two tents up in, and it's basically it takes place in there. It's a bunch of running around and raining and yelling and this and that and the other and bears and do 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 and all this and that and Gloria, the Julie Brown character, she has a retainer. In, so she talks like this all the time. Of course, they give her a lot of ashes. So she has problems talking, and it's funny. But she also takes the retainer out, and so you know, she goes from I talk like this because I have the retainer, which I'm going to need to have in for another six months. But until then, I, I talk like this. Um, which is which is pretty amusing, and the episode is fun. And the Fonzie, the the funniest part of it is actually probably the Fonz being hurt that Richie didn't invite him along. But the stuff out at the campground is fun, and it's a, it's weird because it's all like sort of classic sitcom comedy, put a bunch of people in a place where everything goes wrong kind of thing. I mean, this is the you know the '80s were very much a John Hughes decade, and that was one of the John Hughes things with like a vacation or a great outdoors or so many John Hughes movies, Mister Mom. But the interesting thing about the episode is that when it gets to the end and Richie's come back with food and he says, You know, I, I did make a mistake and I shouldn't have done this to you guys and da, da, da. And they're like Richie, well we're sorry too. That the and the music starts playing with the Oh, these are happy days. But these are happy days because we're learning lessons. And it's very much like an early like there I mean, this is a beautiful example of of the like crossover from like the the seventies shows that all had some sort of social or political something in them. And then the shows that were just trying to be funny, like Happy Days when it started, or Laverne and Shirley, you know, or like M- Morgan Mindy when it started, or or there were a few other shows in the seventies that were like that, but 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 now as the 70s are ending and you're going to the 80s, you have a lot of shows, you know, like, which are sort of more serious po- shows, which are popular, like Taxi and Barney Miller. I don't know that those were ever horrifically popular, but those are going on. Or Charlie Alice, which is more realistic. And you've got a show like like Happy Days, which in now we're halfway through the season, the ratings are dropping. There's a lesson to be learned. You know, rather than Richie saying, oh, guys, I screwed up. And them saying, don't worry about it, man. We maybe we overdid a little. Let's get the hell out of here. They stop and they pause and there are dramatic close-ups and the music rises up. Uh, Facts of Life was on by this time so it was about to basically um, trademark patent this but we can really see the, the schmaltz of the 80s sitcom the kind of thing that a show like Sledgehammer would try to break but couldn't quite and that a show like Seinfeld in the end would come in but not until the end of the season and not until the end of the decade and really do its work in the 90s but but we're about to really here, we're beginning to see like the '80s thing where you would have fun for 20 minutes, and then those last couple minutes, you have to have a lesson. And then the moment the lesson is done, the comedy comes right back. I don't. I've never really been a fan of it. I, I'm interested the plot. Like to me, they, they, they've done this before where they've had these slow moments. But the, but this is this is. But 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 at other times, it's like the one where like for example, like Richie falls in love with that photographer woman and spends the night with her at the hotel. Still isn't told LB about that. It's great to see Lori Beth in this. She has some funny moments it's pretty it's pretty dark in here rich the gals want to stick bark up your nose you know and and there's some great lines and and there's a uh uh, but but i think that this is this is one of the the well i mean they probably had a few before but this just because this is january 1980 I'm, i'm really noticing it here but it's that thing about where you you have fun for 20 minutes and then you have to you have to pay a price for it. You can't just have a wacky moment where like they save Richie from a bear and it's hooray we save Richie. Let's get the hell out of here. That was a bad idea. Don't worry about it. you know that we have to stop and we have to learn a lesson. This is going to get worse as the 80s go go along, and we're going to pay attention to see. I mean. There's a difference between an episode that has a more serious kind of thing where Richie falls in love with the woman and wants to sort of go away with her, and then she abandons him. Okay, that's as poorly kind of done as that was. That you could, That's a bit more serious. and It's going to have a bit more serious ending. But this is wacky camping, which has been going on since, I don't know, like did the Keystone Cops camp? Was there a Charlie uh, Chaplin camping thing? You know, I know Laurel and Hardy went camping. You know, I'm pretty positive Buster Keaton went camping. Harold Lloyd, Charlie Chase definitely went camping. You know, this was th- this sort of wackiness. But back in the day, you could camp, and then it would end with wacky. But here, you end with the lesson. And so, I'm going to stop talking about the lessons real quick right here because that's the thing for me. The kind of like the episode has some funny stuff. Uh, they're overdoing it a bit when they get to the campground, but it's it's amusing throughout. But then there's that they hit you with a a lesson. But the the thing with the the lesson is weird, like the lesson is very specific to the character of Richie at this time he does he overdoes stuff like this and is ridiculous like this a lot and um and the, and the lesson from the friends is very specific so it's so, so it's weird cuz it's they're teaching us a lesson but it's a lesson specific to the characters and not general lessons that anyone could learn really i mean unless you like unless you're richie and you want to take control but you're bad at it but but who i mean the funny thing with that lesson, of course, is if you're the sort of person who likes to take control of things, but is terrible at it, but keeps doing it over and over again, a moment like this isn't going to change you. Uh, it, it's really not. A moment like this is is just going to, you, you'll be like, oh, I've I've learned my lesson, and then you'll do it again. And I bet you Richie probably will do it again. Yeah, that that's it about this episode. It's a the it's 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 the, the first episode, the the wedding one, was, was much funnier and as I said it's probably my favorite episode of the season. Our wilderness starts off with some good laughs. The camping stuff is fun. The lesson thing com- comes uh, sort of out of nowhere and is ridiculous. And, um, you know, there, there, there isn't... Um, and, I, I mean, kind of the lesson thing and the, the wedding stuff co- kind of comes out of nowhere, too, where it goes from being about Mr. and Mrs. C to being about Richie just being so crazy and hectic and da-da-da-da-da. And they sit him down and tell him, don't worry about it. You know, but in that one, I think in that one, as they're telling him the comedy is still happening around them, it doesn't stop dead. So it's kind of like... It's, it's not really a... You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a lesson. But it's mixed in with the comedy. So it's like it doesn't take over the episode. Whereas here, specifically, the music rises up. And everything stops dead. And I think there's this difference there. Where you, you can have a bit of a lesson as long as you keep the purpose of the show, the comedy, going. But if you stop dead for the lesson, then I think everyone gets hurt and everyone stops laughing. So, so again, this is two, 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 one excellent episode. So far, best of the season and one darn good episode that could have done without the lesson at the end. Hey, that ain't bad. So let's see where we're going to next. Uh, Next up, we are going to, we're still in January. Oh, okay. We got Joni's dilemma and then we have a big one. Written by Fred Fox Jr. They bring him in for the big ones and the occasional stinker. And that is hot stuff. Ooh, nice. Okay, so be good yourself, everyone. And I'm gonna play you a little bit of the Happy Days theme. And then right after it, I will play you um I'm gonna give you just a little bit of Bob and Ray Primer where I think you might go to try to listen to some Bob and Ray. So um yeah, uh rock on everyone, and here's some happy days. Just a starting point for Bob and Ray here. Uh, I think I mean you could try to get listen to the two and only their their Broadway show, the soundtrack of that. There's an hour long version of that that's very funny and it's a very raucous crowd, as you would expect. Uh, and and the sketches are very funny. But I almost say uh, you go to, if you go to O T R R, uh, the Old Time Radio Researchers and the, their library, and you look up Bob and Ray. I think it's Bob and Ray, nineteen fifty nine, ninety six. Bob and Ray, CBS. 1959, 1960, you'll see a whole mess of episodes, about 215 minute episodes um, labeled from about July of 59 and July of 60. Listen to those. Start with those. Um, I, I don't I I honestly I I'm I'm very bad at recommending stuff that I really like I mean, like with Laurel and Hardy, you know, I could say, oh, watch maybe try, uh, something like try Big Business, try the Music Box, try Helpmates, watch Way Out West, watch Sons of the Desert. If you don't like those, you won't like Laurel and Hardy. Bob and Ray are one of those trickier things, like Vic and Sade, where I'm not a hundred percent sure where to start because when I first heard them. I was I laughed and was intrigued and continued to listen and then found out more and more and more and more I found out the more and more I liked and there's still stuff I'm I'm after that I'm I'm getting that I'm finding that still stuff I haven't listened to on um I've got a flash drive here with a ton of stuff that's probably got ten to fifteen hours of Bob and Ray that I haven't listened to yet but I would say 1959 1960 Um, the radio show you can also go on archive.org I think if you type in like Bob and Ray CBS it's the CBS show it was called Comedy Time it ran Monday through Friday on CBS from basically summer of 1959 to summer 1960 and it consisted of I know three of the segments were three 15-minute segments. There was an Andy Griffith segment where we would do monologues, and one of the reasons why the show ended is because he got his own show in 1960 with Ron Howard. Uh, 15 minutes were old Burns and Allen routines, and 15 minutes was a Bob and Ray thing. I think the other, the remainder, there may have been like a 45-minute Amos and Andy music hall segment. Don't quote me on that. But they used to do this thing it was specifically comedy time, Bob and Ray on comedy time every night for an hour, hour and a half on CBS, trying to keep the old-time radio kind of thing alive as the 50s were ending in radio as it had been since the start of the thirties was ending. About and, and the great thing about the bomb and Ray nineteen fifty nineteen nine nineteen sixty show is there is there's a continuity to it. There are the the Baum and Ray hosts the episodes and they're the same throughout and they have characters come in and talk to them and um there are sort of storylines that go throughout. Mary McGuin Mary Magoon opens an inn in Vermont Smelly Dave the Big Dead Whale gets kidnapped uh, Kent Lyle Birdley the most boring announcer in the history of radio won't go away and there's little through lines that kind of go through that you know there's um the Bob and Ray throw their annual picnic in like September and it's horrible, you know, lead up to Christmas, there's a lot of fun stuff, and it's just a, it's just a, it's a fun show to listen to all the way through. Um, and I mean, I would recommend starting at the beginning, the very first episode begins with Bob Murray walking into CBS, talking to the receptionist who sends them into the basement and they go into their um, place and they get a up, and they gradually um, start to do their show. Uh, so I would say if you can, try that. I, I'll put a link to the OTRR page, because you can go on their page and it's great because you can just hit Hit you know on on the and it's all MP3s and you can just you know click on it and it'll play the episode or you can right click on it and download it which is what I've known I'd, I'd done I I'd I done I downloaded all two hundred because they would have done like two hundred fifty episodes in the year and I think like two twelve two fifteen of them exist uh at least as far as we know and so you can download them and what I did was I just put them in an order I have a CDR. Uh, that has all of them in order so i just hit play and listen to them or i have a i have a old ipod actually i guess all ipods are old right i have an ipod that has a a playlist which is bob and ray 1959 bob and ray 1960 and i just i about once a year i will start at the beginning and listen to them all the way through It's like like i said 210 220 maybe actually maybe more like 225 15 minute episodes and they're a joy. They go from basically like July. It's like August to July, I think, fifty-nine to sixty. And they're lots of fun. And yes, yeah, sometimes it's good to have reference to that time period. One of the tricky things with ray is they're always funny. But like with Monty Python, you can watch The Flying Circus, you can watch Holy Grail, you can watch Life Brian, you can watch A Meeting of Life with very little context. But having context, especially in some flying circus, and especially maybe in like meaning of life, if you have context, the when it was made and what they're up to, it makes everything much richer. You don't need it, and I know to some that seems like I don't want to do research to watch comedy. Okay, that's fine. Um, but but with something like Bob and Ray or something like Monty Python, I've gone back to them so many times. It's fun to in- increase your knowledge as it were, and you learn about history. I mean, you learn one of the things with Bob and Ray that was great was during the McCarthy hearings. The only people to speak out about McCarthy on TV or radio or anywhere were Edward R. Murrow and Bob and Ray. Bob and Ray had a um, uh, 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 long-running radio show called Mary Backstage, Noble Wife, and there is a, during the McCarthy hearings, they did a, um, a serialized courtroom drama involving Harry Backstage trying to build like a, 10-story house on his property like in Skunkhaven, New Jersey or something like that and he gets in trouble with the the town planners and all this kind of thing and the, the like the town, the counselor or the head of the city council or something is Ray doing his impression of McCarthy and it's hilarious. If you've heard McCarthy's voice, Ray sounds almost exactly like him, and he's just as bombastic and silly and stupid as McCarthy was. That's a lot of fun to hear. So Bob and Ray were awesome. Like I said, try the... I mean, you can try the the two and only. If you can get A Night of Two Stars is their Carnegie Hall show from, I think, 1984, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, the, the only thing about that show is that they are specifically being nostalgic in that show, whereas the 1959-1960 show is a mix of old characters that have been around since they've had around since the 40s new characters pushing it ahead trying new things while mixing with you know just you know it's like any show that's going on for a while you have like a doctor who you know any season of doctor who will have reference to the past and and stuff new stuff happening right now and that's the 1959 1960 show but the thing with the Carnegie hall show if you want to hear a huge crowd in Carnegie hall in hysterics throughout and just having a good time with bob and ray that's fun but maybe that's a little later after you've heard some of them so i'm gonna stop talking now this is going on too long but i love bob and ray but we will be back next time everyone be good to yourselves